0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Game Develop Repeat. In today's episode, we're going to focus on something nice and simple, because that's kind of where I am at the moment. I feel like I want to lock in. I feel like I want to get connected with the simplicity in game development and get that momentum going for myself again. I think that's a good place to get started on any project. Um, I'm your host, Chris. Uh, For anybody new here, I am a former music educator turned indie game developer, and this is the show where we talk about a game that I enjoy, what makes it special, and what we as game developers can learn from it. Today, we are talking all about Super Hexagon. Let's get to it. Super Hexagon is a devilishly difficult little arcade-style game. The whole game you're playing with just like your left and right uh, arrow keys, right? So you're just navigating left and right, and you're avoiding things as they kind of rotate in on you. I I highly recommend looking at footage of this because it will give you a very, very good sense for what it is. Super, super cheap game. uh, Easy to get access to. Highly recommend it. A uh, very simplistic, minimalistic gameplay that is extremely compelling. Solid music. I mean, most of you have probably already played it, to be honest. But it it is a it is a solid pick, and it is an easy game to just hop into, play for a little while, and depending on how hooked you get on it, step away. It's easy to get to get sucked in and do the just one more run, just one more run. Every try in this game can take as little as five seconds before you die. Um and it's it's got like a little sense of comedy behind it. It's got there's something about it that feels very playful. Um just in terms of like simple interface things and the naming of the difficulties and stuff like that. So it's it's pretty straightforward and pretty inspiring to look at as an indie developer because it is a a simple project executed beautifully. Executed so well, and you look at it and you don't go, Oh, there's so many art assets. How will I ever do that? You don't look at it and you go, Oh, there's so many complicated gameplay systems. How would I ever do that? You look at it and you go, Wow, this person executed brilliantly on a pretty core concept and just carried it all the way through. Um, That is something that I think we could all learn from. At least definitely me, because I have that that, um, instinct to try and create something far too big, right? There's like the classic thing of the game developer who wants to make a massive, just an MMORPG for their first game. And it's like, you're not, that's not a great first project. So I think taking something so small like this, uh, looking at it and going, wow, that is a... That is a phenomenal game that is remarkably pared down and simple. Taking something like that for inspiration is is a great place to start because then you look at it. You start digging into it, and you go, wait, this is not so easy. This is not just like something you just throw together really quickly. It is tight. It is very, very clean. It's, it's so polished, it's remarkable. It's got a good style to it, despite being essentially just a bunch of lines. Uh, it's got like this nice drawn feeling to it, with the bright colors. The color choices are excellent, the pace is, is, is intense. The music selection makes the game, and the way that the music is integrated into the gameplay is kind of perfect. The way that the uh, the player resets any time that they die is fantastic. We're going to talk about that more for sure, but essentially it is a continuation. So the music does not restart right from the beginning in an annoying way. the The gameplay is varied enough right at the beginning of the game where... You you don't feel like you are having to replay a ton of stuff just to get back to where you were. Everything feels like a challenge. Everything feels hyper-focused. It's fast-paced. It's intense. Speaking of the music, let's go back to that for a second. I'm not sure if the soundtrack resets to the beginning of the song every time. I think when you die, it resets to the beginning of the song. But the compositions are such that it does not drive you crazy one of the rewards of playing the game is like getting to hear more of the music getting further along in it if i'm remembering correctly the last time i played this was about it was like a couple months ago and i don't know why but i'm iffy on whether or not the music does a full reset uh it doesn't feel like it does i think that's what's really important here so either the composition is so solid that it doesn't bother you and i guess what i mean when i say it doesn't feel like it does is it doesn't feel frustrating in the way that certain game themes start to become if you hear the beginning of something over and over and over and over with a reset time that's like five seconds like every five seconds it goes back to the beginning of the soundtrack because you keep dying you're not going to be happy right it's gonna kind of get under your skin but with this game it it doesn't get under your skin so i should revisit that and confirm whether or not confirm whether it is playing through the song further or if it is resetting it but the beginning of the song is not so catchy and earwormy as to be annoying okay having said that the the polish the style those are really the things that this pulls off excellently uh Another game that I think of when I think of Super Hexagon is One Finger Death Punch because it has that very, very tight gameplay loop. These sorts of games are remarkable to me and I'm fascinated by the level of gameplay that can be accomplished with such simple control schemes. Outwardly simple. Right. If you really dig into it, the amount of design that's going into this, the amount of effort that's going into making sure that it feels good, because when something is that simple, it has to feel good. It can't be like if you're eating a piece of toast, (laughs) it can't be burnt. Right. You're going to notice how burnt it is. If you throw some jelly on it, maybe you don't notice as much how burnt it is. And then if you turn it into a whole sandwich, maybe you don't notice how burnt it is, but you'll always know that it's a little bit burnt. If you're just eating the piece of toast, it has to be exactly the way that you want it. And if it's not, you're, you're not going to like it at all. And I think that's the catch with these extremely pared-down, minimalistic games. If there's anything that's a little bit burnt, you're, you're going to notice it. And that's why polish becomes so important. And I think it's important regardless. But with something like this, you can really hone that skill. Let's talk a bit more about the lessons from this game and and maybe even ways to hone that skill. Let's think through that a little bit. That might be helpful for me, might be helpful for you. Aside from the conversation about polish that we're having already here. The other huge lesson that I'm taking away from this game is how to handle player failure. I'm going to contrast this with Don't Starve. Now, I like Don't Starve. It's an excellent game. But I can't really play it because I get to a point in Don't Starve where I die and I reset and I go, I already know how to do the first giant chunk of this game it doesn't have enough interest for me it's it's a grind i just know i'm gonna do this for this many hours and then i get into the actual game and this is me playing this game a while ago this is one of those games that's had a ton of patches maybe it's completely different now but whenever i was playing it i had that issue of every time i started the game i was like well this isn't exciting it feels like there's this core loop that i have to go through and that could just be my own mentality too. Like I want to give this game credit because Don't Starve is a phenomenal game. But every time that I died, it had me do this whole reset thing. And I was like, I don't want to, this is, I don't enjoy this. There's not enough, there's not quite enough for me at the beginning of this game for me to really dig deep and get a run to go really far. So like as a result, I never got into the 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 real depths of the content because every time I had to reset, I was like, ugh. I'm not, I don't want to go through this whole chunk of the game again. Super Hexagon, by virtue of being an extremely um, short (laughs) length, like each level is very tight. It's very short and it has a high difficulty curve that you kind of have to just keep slamming your head against over the course of probably several days or weeks. Um, By virtue of how short that gameplay loop is, you're not like, oh, I have to go through an hour of stuff to get back to where I was. No, you're like I have to go through 5 seconds. I can go through 5 seconds, whatever. And the 5 seconds have multiple variations and you're trying to learn those patterns and you're trying to get these patterns locked in and like get to know what's going on. This is a great use of uh, how do I put this? This is this is a great use of variance in levels, I guess, of of um i guess what i'm saying is like what is level one changes each time it's not the exact same thing every time if it was the exact same thing every time the game would be significantly easier and maybe a little bit less interesting but it it mixes it up just enough to keep you on your toes and that's excellent um aside from that oh ways to handle player failure let's get back on track with that for a second I think it's going to vary on your game. I think Don't Starve actually handles player failure pretty well in a lot of ways. It's got this whole unlock system and, and so on and so on. And there, there's a lot of games that are like roguelikes that have this, where you die a lot and you learn something from it and then you go in again and again and again and again and again. And, again. and that, that can be executed in so many different ways. And then there's the way of just, oh, well, you have a save file. So you just go back to where you were. Which is also fine, but you can run into the same thing where you go back to where you were and you're like, yeah, but now I have to go through this thing again or I have to go grind to break through that thing or what have you. And the, the small differences between, the seemingly small difference between resetting a player to their most recent save or like the beginning of the dungeon or whatever versus the beginning of the fight that killed them, that is a huge difference in terms of gameplay and feel across the entire game. It changes everything. Even though it seems like a relatively small decision. It changes the difficulty of the game, it changes how frustrating it is to play whether you want that to be intentional or not. Uh or sorry, whether you intentionally want it to be frustrating or whether you want it to be relaxed and you're accidentally making it frustrating. Is kind of what I meant to say there. All of these things from this one design decision. And so Super Hexagon handles it beautifully. It knows exactly what it's going for. And it clicks into place very cleanly. It 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 is exactly the right mechanic for the game. It's all pieced together in an extremely satisfying way. And there are times when you want it to be really frustrating, right? You There are times when you want, like, an Elden Ring experience where you get sent back so far. Or maybe Dark Souls, Elden Ring, Dark Souls, that whole genre. Maybe you want that experience where you get sent back really far and you have to go through everything. And you have to You have to work through this whole nightmare of stuff because of the sense of satisfaction and conquering a challenge that you're going to get out of that. But what... What is kind of the point of player failure? That's one of the things I start thinking about here. What is the point of a player failing? Do we want the player to fail? Where are we with that in our game? Like in, in Soot, I wanted the player to fail. I, I kind of took a little inspiration from Super Hexagon, actually, when I was designing what happens after you die. I was like, you need to start back up immediately. I do not want any kind of loading thing. I you're starting back up instantly. There are moments in the game where like you can get pretty frustrated getting sent back to the beginning of the level because some of the levels towards the end get pretty long. I kind of like it. I was kind of okay with that. I wanted to have that kind of like mastery feeling towards the end. Um, uh, But what's the point of player failure there? Why, why do I want my players to fail? So they feel like they're... Not even so they feel like they're learning something. So they do learn something about the game. So they they get more connected with the character that they're controlling. So that they understand the abilities better. It's used to teach lessons and to create satisfaction and victories and moments of conquering a challenge. Right? Is it to make you feel like you're conquering a challenge? I kind of think so. I mean... There are games where you don't fail, and those are maybe like a more satisfying story experience. Games where it's really, it's really like not possible to fail other than going, eh, I'm kind of done with this game, I'm out, right? I think that is a different genre. <laughs> um, I, this is interesting, I, because I think it's easy to think, oh, it's a game, so there has to be a lose state. I think it's really easy to fall into the trap of believing that every game has to have a state in which you lose the game. An end game where you are a failure. And there's some lesson to learn every time. But there are definitely games that don't have that. At least, not really. Like, there's one of my favorite games. I, think, I believe I've done an episode on this before. East Shade. Uh, incredible beautiful game there's really not a fail state in that game not it. it's a game about going around and painting beautiful landscapes and stuff it's is a gorgeous game it doesn't really have a fail state but it's still one of the best gaming experiences i've ever had right and i think we all kind of know this too like i think everybody knows there's story games i think everybody knows that but there are games that seem like they have a fail state that kind of don't. Does that make sense? I think there are games in which you can fail, but the game really, really does not want you to. Right? And that's uh, that's pretty good. I think this is common in RPGs for most of the game. And then you hit a boss fight and it throws something pretty aggressive at you. It's like, you don't want to fail all the way through this whole, this whole chunk. You're not failing. You're not allowed to fail here. You're fighting a goblin. Don't fail. Right. You have to really mess up if you're going to fail here. Right. For some of them. And then, and then you hit a big boss fight and you're like, why is this suddenly a challenge? Now I have to think. Um, so like sporadic failures, sudden challenges, I I gotta dig deeper on this later. I have I have too many confusing thoughts about this topic. I, I need to like sit down, write it out, really think through and like map out all of the different ways that this goes and like think about like how is it handled in platformers, JRPGs, arcade style games, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But uh that's that's the lesson from from Super Hexagon, I guess, or that's the thing to start thinking about. I also think I want to start doing deeper dives on these games. Like pick something and really, if I can find the time, if I can find a way to like really sink my teeth into des- the design philosophies behind things. But I got to figure that out. <laughs> I got to like, yeah, I got to figure out a process for doing that. But I, I would like to dig a lot deeper. I've been doing very like surface level, like here are thoughts, so on and so on. But I think there's just a lot more meat on the bones of each one of these individual games that we've talked about. And I think now that I've actually made a game, I'm starting to get this different. Uh, it, it's not like a complete different perspective, but I'm starting to get a little bit of like insight into design. and And I'm starting to be able to look at it and go oh, that absolutely minuscule, tiny little choice that they made just changed the entire game. And what if it was different? What would the game be like? And that's something with with a game like, um, you know, I'm not going to name drop a game, but there are games that have fatal flaws, which if fixed, would make an entirely different experience. And that's one of the things that's so frustrating about those games. It's like, there's like one design decision and you're like, can't we just patch it in? Can't we just like, Remake it, fix that one thing, and then just re-release it with with one tiny, tiny little change. I would love to play games with their fatal flaws fixed, but you know how it is. There's probably a million other knock-on effects and so on and so on. So it probably takes way more effort than you might think. Okay, we're going to keep this episode kind of short this week. Because I'm trying to keep things a little bit simpler for myself today. We're getting towards the holiday season. It's been a grind, you know. I'm putting out an episode every week for a whole year. Uh, so we're keeping this one a little bit short. And let's just go ahead and get to these these questions that we've got for you. These questions to help guide development. Oh, I don't have anything to report on my own game development this week. I've done some like brainstorming stuff, but it, it, honestly, I just don't have much to report this week. That's kind of where I am. Uh, I do want to get started on a new project, though. I'm, I'm very motivated by projects. They help me a lot. I feel good when I have a project to work on. All right, let's talk through these questions. Question number one. Do you expect frequent... Player restarts or frequent player failure, and how are you going to handle it? Question number two, and this is all we got how much polish can you reasonably add? How far can you push that envelope of like how polished can I really make this? I bet it's a little further than you think it is but then also there's the danger of scope creep, right? So there is a, there is a stopping point, right? Okay. Those are the questions. And then the tip for this week is something this is really me trying to figure out how to how to get started on my next thing. That's where this tip is coming from. I'm coming from a place of what is the next <laughs> What is the next step? How did I get started last time? How do I keep the momentum going? Do I even, do I need to, what is going on, right? The end of, the end of one project, the beginning of the next, that transitional phase, it feels weird. It's bizarre. There's a, I think there's a danger of getting stuck in there. So the tip this week, I guess, is to get in touch with what drives you. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get in touch with what drives me forward and embrace that and um, enjoy the excitement that that gives me. Uh, And that's everything that I've got for you this week. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the episode. I will see you in the next one. And do I have anything else to say? I don't think so. Have a good week. Get out there. Make some stuff and have fun with it. Bye-bye.